This podcast is part of Podcast One Sportsnet. Hey guys, wow, just got done with the pod. One word, contentious. Almost like a, there could have been physicality perhaps, or was that much contention, a lot of drama. We got bad DSI, talking about drama when you risk money on a game. We always say you want to find as many good outs as you can. Bet DSI 20 years paying winners, good rating at the review sites, fast payouts, etc. Also, though, let's be honest, they're going to look back in 2019. A lot of it's going to be about how live betting, in-game betting has grown. Well, that's something Bet DSI offers. And if you haven't used it before, it's literally throughout the game, you can say, hey, This one team's up a little bit, but I think the other team's playing better. Well, you can actually bet within the game. And if you've done it before, you actually can have, you know, imagine you have two devices. You're watching the lines move. That's how you get value. Speaking of value, promo code here. So if you're going to go to BetDSI, use it. You get this special, and it helps the podcast, RJ Madness. All one word, RJ Madness. Madness, M-A-D-N-E-S-S. What do you get? Double your money to start. You put it in, whatever amount, they match it. 100% bonus. Go to BetDSI.com, use promo code RJMadness, and get this limited time, 100% bonus offer. That bonus gives you extra cash during the madness of March. And let's be honest, guys, this is the time having... That in-game betting, having that extra out really counts because this is the time you're making the most bets, I think it's fair to say. One more thing here. A lot of response for Vivid Seats. Now listen, sometimes in society there's a paradigm shift. That means it's just a fundamental change, right? The idea of an Airbnb 20 years ago seems crazy. I'll be honest, it still seems crazy to me. Now today, a lot of people... Hey, you want to share my bedroom or whatever? I don't don't even understand it. It's a paradigm shift. Well, Uber, Lyft, another example of that. I mean, 10 years ago, it's taxi. Sometimes my Uber is 10 minutes away and there's a taxi in front of me. I don't even think to go for the taxi. That's a paradigm shift. But when it comes to buying tickets to events, the idea that you're going to buy from the box office, it feels outdated. It feels like we've been shifted away from that. And I think especially in March Madness. When you don't know the matchups. Imagine if team A wins, team C wins. You're like, oh man, that's the game I want. But if the other two teams win, it might be a game you wouldn't go to if they gave you tickets for free. Well, if you have to buy tickets beforehand, it's a risk. It's an unnecessary risk with Vivid Seats sponsoring the show. They're one of those companies and, and, the, and a surging company, I think it's fair to say. I actually got an email on this. It says, RJ, I'm actually taking my son and three friends to their very first Dodger game for opening day, and I couldn't be more excited. It's one of those proud fatherly moments. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I decided to download and use the Vivid Seats app after listening to the episode last week. I saved over 50 bucks, which is going to cover parking and some food for the kids. So I wanted to thank you for that. Then he goes on and asks me for a free pick on something, and I'll just ignore that. But it came from Dave. So to me, this is it. This is why if you're going to these events, Vivid Seats is a great option. So you go to the App Store or Google Play, download Vivid Seats app, 
And then with this promo code, and it is simple, RJB. Think RJ Bell, RJB, and you get 10% off your order when you use that RJB promo code at checkout. This offer does apply to first-time new customers, but like Dave, you can use that money to save at the game or to make a bet. Use promo code RJB, save 10% on your tickets, and keep your emails coming in, guys. But if you make any free pick requests, you get enough of those from the podcast. Speaking of that, contention time. Here we go. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And we have the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament with a jam-packed Wise Guy Roundtable. To my left, Brad Powers. All the college knowledge. Steve Fezzik. And... Ken Thompson, a huge underdog to return this week because this was a bad week. for Now, listen, let me tell you something. Fezzik had an amazing NFL season and a horrible green bat season in the NFL. It's funny when you go pro versus pro, you get yourself in spots you're not happy with. Ego gets involved, etc. But man, oh, man. Got to give him credit. He's back. How'd you do last week, Ken? Well, I didn't realize until I just looked at the morning <laughs> paper for the love of God, 0-5, and, and RJ says odds are KT wouldn't be here. I'd have seen that paper yesterday. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve Fezzik. I went 3-2. and two. I won $600. I'm Brad Powers. I went 5-2. and two. I'm up $600. And somehow RJ went 1-2, and two, and I lost 200 but still a lot less than Ken. <laughs> I only lost a dime. Well, yeah, you know, for <laughs> you, big professional better, dimes. All right, guys, listen, we could make a big deal that we actually have a crossfire best bet. That involves Ken Thompson. Ken's on one side. One of the other pros for $500 is on the other. We could make a big deal for the first time ever. We have a cross continent crossfire. What does that mean? Well, I just made it up. Dave Esler on one side, AJ Hoffman on the other (laughs) remote cross continent crossfire. But instead we'll say, we're going to give you each and every pick of the sweet 16 from each and every pro. Showtime. Rotation order. And luckily Ken Thompson let me be clear. It's not Ken's best bet. Ken is fading someone else's best bet. But the first game is Ken's best bet. Purdue, Tennessee, line we're using, Tennessee favored by one and a half. Ken. Oh, I think uh, Tennessee is going to get a wake-up call. Look, both second halves, they struggled, no doubt. I think they really took Colgate lightly in the opener, came back to bite him, but they ended up closing out strong. The game against Iowa and again, good friends with Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa coach. But watch that game. I was pleasantly surprised to see Iowa make a game of it. And then I was like, wow, they got a chance to actually cover this game. Next thing you know, they actually had a chance to win the game. Game goes into overtime. I think Tennessee ran out of gas. And I think they'll be refocused, re-energized. And a Purdue team that is too much, too player-oriented. 
It's Carson Edwards, who's dynamite, had over 40 points in the last game. And then Ryan Klein, this guy can shoot his, his butt off from downtown, no doubt. But if one of those two struggles, Purdue's not going to win this game. Tennessee has too much depth. And I think Bone's going to have a big game for Tennessee. Comes off a lackluster effort against Iowa, especially in the second half. And I think Schofield, who had the four fouls and then sat down and didn't even play in the overtime, I think he'll redeem himself as well. I think, you know, coaching-wise, you know, not much difference. I'll take Barnes over Painter, but it's close there. And I just think Tennessee is the right side there. I took them on the money line not to risk anything. I just was a minus 120, I think it was, on the money line. It's now up to one and a half, so probably a little higher on the money line. But I think Tennessee wins the game. It's in Louisville, Kentucky. So more of the open seats there at the Yum Center, which is the home of the Louisville Cardinals, I think will be taken up regionally by those Tennessee fans, although Purdue has traveled pretty well. Okay, so, Fez, you've got a bet involving Tennessee with Brad. Last longer. All right, so it's Tennessee versus Virginia. Okay, so as the weeks have gone by, it feels like, Brad, you've liked your side more and more. I do like my side. How much of that is that you've upgraded Virginia? How much of that is you've downgraded Tennessee? More of a downgrade on Tennessee than Virginia. And do you think though that that downgrade is applicable to this game or is it... Hey, it's in the line, and then there's value with Tennessee. I think it's in the line. I think prior to the tournament, Tennessee probably would have been a three, three and a half point favorite in this game. Now only laying one, one and a half. There's clearly been a downgrade on the Vols. But you still lean Purdue. I do lean Purdue. But you know what? And you mentioned this kind of straight out of Vegas. This is, I kind of want to sit back and watch these games because I'm not a fan of either coach. Matt Painter, the Purdue head coach, has gotten to the Sweet 16 four times. What happened? All four times went home packing, didn't cover any of those four games. Rick Barnes, last 11 NCAA tournament games, one cover, one cover. Looks like his teams have been playing tight, not only at Texas, but also Tennessee. One advantage, and this is why I'm leaning on the Boilers here. It's a significant one. It's on the boards. Purdue, top 20 in the country, offensive rebounding. Tennessee, well below average when it comes to defensive rebounding. Because of that, I'll lean with Purdue. I'm going to lean to Tennessee. It's all about what I feel was an easy path for Purdue to get to the Sweet 16 here. So they got Old Dominion in the first round, not a good 13 seed. And then the second round, they get Villanova from the Big East, the one league, the one conference that has underperformed the most in this tournament, the Big East. 0-4-1 against the spread. So Purdue caught a break catching Villanova in the Big East in the second round. Now, that's an interesting point. One of our basic tournament premises, same thing in the bowl season is teams play a big chunk of the games that matter in college, in conference, yep. football and basketball. Thus, if a conference is overrated or underrated, it's going to be hard for that, a team in that conference not to be overrated the same way. Because look at the competition. You're looking at every game thinking it means more than it means or less than it means. When it comes to the Big East and the Big Ten, seem like, man, oh, man, it was just crazy how right that approach was once it started to show itself. Yeah, so the, the Big East fell short of expectations in this tournament by 10 points per game as far as the Vegas spread goes. And the, when Villanova played Purdue in round two, we it saw was the, a big factor. And we saw the money come in on Purdue in that game, despite the fact that Villanova, you said, hey, it was an easy spot for Purdue. Location necessarily wasn't. Villanova was playing close to home in Hartford, Connecticut and had the crowd advantage there. So I was very impressed with Purdue, even though, you know, taking into consideration the conference disparities. So if you look at the Big Ten in general, what would you say so far? Oh, certainly an upgrade uh, overall. I, I think when you throw out that Michigan-Minnesota matchup, the Big Ten's 9-4 and four against the number, 9-4 and four straight up so far in the NCAA tournament. Big upgrade for the Big Ten. So 
Brad Jibber Jabber Lean Purdue, Fez Jibber Jabber Lean Tennessee, the one man putting up 500 bucks. No one wanted it though. Ken Thompson, best bet, Tennessee. Any last thoughts? No, I just, uh, looking forward to seeing it because Purdue has impressed me, but like Brad was saying, or Fez was saying, an easy path. Uh, Fez had an easy path so far for Purdue, so it'll be interesting. Next game, Virginia favored by eight and a half against Oregon. Brad, you like this game? I do like this game. I like the Oregon Ducks plus the eight and a half, a team that has far exceeded expectations the last 10 games. Not only has Oregon won 10 straight, they've covered 10 straight. Only one of those games has been any close near the Vegas line. In fact, Oregon's covered on average those 10 games by 15 points per game. RJ will say this, hey, it could be random luck, flipping coins or not. I don't think that's the case here. In fact, I know it's not the case. Oregon switched their lineups right when this 10-game win streak started. They have four players that are six foot nine, all elite defenders. Don't believe me. Oregon right now in their last 10 games, allowing 54 points per game on defense. That would rank number one in the country. Number two is Virginia. And that brings me kind of the total. Man, when you got a total less than 120 points, not going to be a lot of points to begin with. Points are going to be in a premium. And yet we got a, a sizable line here. I'm going to take the Oregon team with a fundamental change in a lineup playing really well against a Virginia team that's been in spots kind of tight this tournament. Uh, RJ, I like the Ducks. So first off, Fez, why don't you... Uh-oh, Fez has the button in his hand. Interesting. <laughs> All right, so we'll see what happens there. But as we continue, my question is to you, Fez, you listen, I mean, most of the time on the radio when we're talking... Didn't I just say like 20 minutes ago, we're taping here Tuesday evening in Vegas, right after the straight out of Vegas show that, Hey, sometimes you can't flip six heads in a row, but your logic on the Oregon with the lineup changes, the kind of streaks I love, correct? I did. I mentioned you, RJ. No, but what you just said was you said, RJ might say sometimes six in a row, but here's the difference. You were like <laughs> making me oh, okay. the foil. That somehow uh, I was the person on the other side when I was on your side. Sorry for making you a foil. I, it wasn't the intention, though. But you figure you can't beat me when I truly go against you. So you try to get me against myself by putting <laughs> me on the opposite side than I am. Betting says different. You owe me 200 bucks from last <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, the, yes. There we go. That, that must. <laughs> that, that is the decider. All right, Fez. Let's see what we do with that button. Well, hold on. Oh, Fez, Fez, Fez. I love that Brad has identified that Oregon has been undervalued. I love that he's been betting on Oregon seemingly every game and cashing every ticket. But now is the time that I think Oregon finally has a bad spot here. They're 10-0 straight up, 10-0 against the spread, and the betters have taken notice. Betters are starting to look at that streak and say, boy, you can't go against that Oregon team. Well, I think here's the spot to go against them. Oregon traveled down to Anaheim, kicked butt, beat Wisconsin, who I don't think much of, and got a 13 seed in Irvine to get to the Sweet 16. My experience in the tournament 
is that teams that are 12 and 13 seeds, when they get to the Sweet 16, that was their original goal. They go down, they're saying, we would love to get to the Sweet 16. We're not good enough realistically to win the tournament. Let's make it a two-game tournament and try to get to the Sweet 16. Oregon does it. They fly back to Oregon. They celebrate. And now they got to fly across the country to Louisville. So we got one team that's celebratory, and I got a Virginia team that knows in their hearts if they lose this game after losing to a 16 seed, this year is a freaking disaster. They need Virginia to win this game like blood, or it's an epic disaster. Oregon could lose this game. Hold on. If you lose in the Sweet 16, is an epic disaster? I would say so for Virginia. As a number one seed after their flame out last year, they got to get to the final four, RJ, or the, or the season. The so you're year. saying if they make the Elite Eight and lose, it's an epic disaster. It's a bad year if they lose in the Elite Eight even. They got to make the so final four. I never four. knew Virginia somehow. <laughs> I mean, boy, what, what teams are an epic disaster if they don't make the final four? I bet you're going to name like nine. Not no. even. Yeah. No, it's just it's all Dude, about it's right. all about the situation yeah. that they lost to the 16 seed. And let's face it, this Virginia team during the regular season. Because to me, the fact they lost to 16 and we're in a bad spot at halftime in game one has a number one. What's part? Listen, what's part of being the champion is confidence. Mm. You know, one of the things Ric Flair, obviously, he was a showman. It's pro wrestling, but it was like to be the man, you got to beat the man. Is in fact, wait a minute. Why am I even doing it? Hold on. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. And then later he used to say, and I'm 13 times the man, whatever his count was for the world title. (laughs) There's a confidence that comes with that. It feels like Virginia is a number one seed that that's like an albatross. Somehow you're saying the fact that they're all nervous because. If they lose, it's an epic disaster. That doesn't sound like the kind of team I want to bet. Now, listen, if you thought that the question is, where's the baseline of motivation? If it's a preseason NBA game, the baseline of motivation is very low. So I'm looking for something to increase it. Oh, look, this kid grew up in Vegas. The summer leagues are Mm -hmm. in Vegas. His team's going to rally around him. This is the only game he's going to play. Like We hear that stuff all the time. What is the baseline for a Sweet 16 game? Well, I think high motivation for every team. Yes, exactly. So now if you're adding by your own words that it's an epic disaster, if you lose, do you think that helps you or hurts you? It probably hurts you. But during the week, RJ, the difference is is that Virginia will be all business. And I think Oregon will be Mm. celebratory. See, I disagree with you. Keep in mind. And the disagreement is for typical 12 seats. You're right, Fez. 12 seeds would be celebrating making the Sweet 16 because they exceeded expectations. Keep in mind, at the start of the season, forget Sweet 16. There was a lead eight Final Four talk for this Oregon team. They're the exception to your rule, and that's where I think you're making the mistake. And the other thing that Brad was talking about, of course, when they made the lineup switch, go to four, six, nine guys, and then Pritchard, who's a dynamite point guard, they haven't lost with that lineup. So they think that they're going into the Sweet 16 with a chance to win, and then again, as RJ says, the great equalizer is that point spread. You're going to find nines out there, eight and a halves. It's a lot of points. Now, one of the things that I like to do with my bracket picking rules is obviously pick my bracket early. Oh, by the way, let's get, you know, I, I haven't really followed it too closely. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Brian? Mackie, how we, how's the dream preview bracket doing? We are in the 99th percentile, RJ. So al- almost perfect. Almost. 
All right. Perfect is good, Brad. It is good. So for the record-breaking numbers that bought the bracket, and it really was record-breaking, I think you're all feeling pretty good right now. Oh, yeah. If anyone wants to send uh, chocolate-dipped cherries or strawberries or anything chocolate-oriented, you know, just send it to, just put pregame Las Vegas. It will get here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I also like to do is each round has its own rules that apply to these spreads and these games. So let's quickly go through the Sweet 16 rules. There's only two of them. Advance exactly three number ones to the Elite Eight. 71% of number ones have made the Elite Eight. All right. So we did what we did in our bracket. But who's the number one you would say, Brad, most likely to go down? Mm. And I'm going to ask that around the horn. If anyone wants to jump in first, I'll say, Florida, you know, Gonzaga against Florida State is the most likely. Why Florida State did it to Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 round last year? They're going to be a highly confident four seed. North Carolina is going to go down because they're going to want to run, and Auburn loves to run. It's a good matchup for Auburn. I hope you're right there. If Auburn knocks down their threes, they got a shot to knock off Carolina. But I agree with Brad. I think Florida State, the length, Gonzaga just uh, psychologically, if they get off to a slow start. And again, we've seen them struggle. I mean, you lose to a St. Mary's team here. That's still in the back of my mind. So they'll have the crowd advantage there in Anaheim, but I'm not sold they're big enough to beat Florida State. Here's the stat of the week. The tip, advanced no team worse than a number 11 into the Elite Eight. 26 teams worse than seated, worse than 11, have made the Sweet 16. Their record straight up, one in 25. <laughs> So, Fez's button push is saying either straight up, this is going to be only this, you know, the one in 25 is going to become two in 25, or you're just loving getting the eight and a half. A lot of celebration going on by those lesser teams after they make the Sweet 16. Now, the fundamental question is, is it that, or is it fundamentally a 12 seed is not good enough to win in this round, but this Oregon team isn't? Yeah, the true twelve seed. I, I mean, Oregon coming. That's in. the question. Yes, it is, RJ. History says though, one in twenty-five. Mm. Next game, Fezzik with his best bat. Ooh, and well, you know what it means when you hear this. It's a five hundred dollar crossfire in this corner. A lot of numbers. Steve Fezzik in the other corner. Off an O for O for five. Ken Thompson. It's Gonzaga, seven and a half over Florida State. Best bet, Fez. Yeah, I like the Zags here. I'm going to lay the chalk. Uh, all about a bad spot for Florida State. RJ, let's look at what the last three weeks have been like for Florida State. ACC tournament. They go from Florida to North Carolina. They play deep into the tournament. Then they go to Hartford, play two games in the NCAA tournament. They fly back to Florida, and now they got to fly all the way out to the West Coast playing in the Honda Center in Anaheim against a Gonzaga team that most assuredly will have the crowd behind them. And Gonzaga has revenge for a loss to this team last year. I like the Zags. So, Brad, I'll ask you as an impartial observer here to some degree, <laughs> though you have a lean. What is there any proof, like even a, even like a anecdotal piece of evidence that somehow travel and then three or four days passing by and travel 
for kids that are 19 that can probably go three days without sleep and not bother them all that much. Like, is it just you guys are able to put your fingers on it? You're able to put the, the numbers into a spreadsheet so you think it means something? Because I get it with you, Fez. If you're out at 1030 one night, you got a headache at noon the next day. These kids are, you know, 19 years old and they're freakishly great athletes. So I'm asking you guys. I don't have the data. I mean, it's just all jibber jabber. Right. I mean, we're making, we're literally making stuff up. And whatever the case was from 10 years ago with the charter flights now. I mean, Ken, you were around. I mean, when did you start covering college football and college, or basketball? College, yeah. College basketball in 95. Uh, for 20 plus years. Yeah, I mean, for, well, I actually called games for two universities, for UC Riverside and then for Long Beach State. And yeah, yeah, so 20 team, plus so, years. The yeah. point I'm trying to get to is that there's been a lot of changes since 95 and in, in, in how difficult it is to travel, wouldn't you say? I, I agree with that. And you'll see even, you know, from state to state, unless it's a smaller school, smaller budget school, they're going to fly, even if it's a neighboring state as opposed to busing, uh, you know, just depending on, again, the budget for the teams. But Here's the thing. I mean, these teams practice and some of the practices are so grueling and you just get tired of practice. Some of these kids, they have no problem playing a game and then coming back the next day and playing another game as opposed to going through practice where they're just being harped on this and do this and do that again. They want to get out there. They want to play the game. There's a lot of these kids that can play three, four games in a row. So why we look at you're right. We're up there in middle age, and I'm even older than that. We look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, I'd be tired. But these kids, they're looking forward to playing the game, RJ. And so when you get to a Sweet 16 game and you're Florida State and you're playing Gonzaga, the number one team in the country, I don't think anybody's going to be too tired to get up for that game. Yeah, and I mean, the story that I can tell, and listen, I was far from a freakishly great athlete. I was an average athlete in high school, let's say. I still remember, I always tell this story because it's funny. I've never told it on air is I think I was like 17 and my best buddy, George calls me up, but we had a, um, I think it was a baseball game that night or, you know, afternoon calls me up like at eight 30 on a Saturday. And he says, uh, Hey, he goes, uh, I'm going to run this 5k over in wheeling. You want to go run it? And he said, I'm not much of a runner, but all right, I'll go over. So, we run the 5k. I can still remember. I, it was like 24 minutes. I'm thinking, well, I couldn't run an eight minute mile now if my light depended on it. So 24 minutes, not great, but okay. Came home, watched an hour of TV, went and played a baseball game and, and I was nothing. <laughs> so the idea that, oh, they're going to, what, they're going to get blood clots in the, in their uh, private plane. Fez, I mean, I really think you need to explain to me other than just like hearing things and, wanting to come up with like, make your case for this other well, than no case. Well, I don't have the, I'd have to go back and research how excessive travel impacts a team. So how can it be part of your handicap? Because it's it, it, to me, I'm frankly, I thought it was it, to me, it, it, it seems obvious that it can't be a good thing. If I'm a kid in, in Florida to have to fly all the way to the Northeast, to have to fly all the way back and then have to go all the way across three time zones and play Thursday on the West Coast, RJ. There has to be some impact. What we need to quantify, is it negligible? Is it small? Or is it somewhat significant? But I know when you extend the word fly into like three syllables, fly all the way to the East Coast, it doesn't make it any more arduous. Have you, I mean, 
you can imagine a private plane, right? Yeah. Have you ever been on a private plane? It's still a five and a half hour. But what does it mean? What does it mean? You're in a leather seat with your headphones on watching Scarface. You arrive at a three hour different time zone. I mean, come on. I mean, you're saying it has no effect. We're just going to have to disagree. Well, no, we're not really disagreeing. You have no case. You're literally saying, I could say the sky is blue because my eyes are blue. That's my case. I mean, there's no connection. Like if you show me some data, I'm just saying we were all kid. We were all 20 years old at some point. None of us were freakishly good athletes. Were you really tired a lot when you were 20? No, <laughs> no. There's a lot of times I'd close down a bar, go to a strip club, and then work at like six a.m. But if in you the asked me to fly to New England and then <laughs> but, but somehow fly, <laughs> somehow closing down bars and strip clubs, that's all going to fatigue if you, put, you. If you put me with <laughs> but all, being in the leather seat watching Scarface, that that's what's going to knock I you would, down. I would be able to run a mile faster if I stayed close to home for three weeks. I'm pretty confident than having to travel three times to three locations, especially if it's long travel with different weather, different time zones. Scarface on repeat. Constant, y'all. Well, listen, I don't think we're going to solve this one now, but let's just make a new rule. If you if you come in with some theory, this is Faz, this is Brad, this is me, this is Ken. I'm This is the industry's problem right here. It's the freaking regurgitation of the same tired old crap and those fucking stupid bookies Dumb as bricks are just sitting there getting rich because we're regurgitating this crap. Now, I think we do the best job of not doing it, but I don't want any of it. All right. So the new rule is you got a theory, bring some freaking numbers or don't or, 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 or say, you know something? I'm too lazy or dumb to come up with any numbers behind this, but I've got a theory. And if you're willing to say that, you can say anything you want. All right. In fact, we'll even play. This, we can play this for you. So you can say, uh, this is me being someone else. Uh, you know, I'm either, I'm not sure which one, but I'm either too lazy or too, too dumb. But here's a theory uh, for you to disregard <laughs> completely. Uh... And then you can talk about travel with no numbers behind it. So how do we quantify this? I think hey, I need how to- much is it worth? I'm going to do some research. No, but we're on the podcast now. There's hundreds of thousands of people listening now. We were preparing for this podcast today. I guesstimated it was worth a, a point and a half. A point and a half. <laughs> Does that sound right to you, Brad? I was thinking a half point. So you got two professionals are 300% different. Yeah. Hmm. What would you say, Ken? I, I didn't factor it in. I just said. So you think it's worthless? A non-fact. The first game of the two, the second game maybe a little bit more. But we're not talking about the second game, right? Are we? Exactly. I mean, so that's why I'm on pro, Florida State. Pro better Ken Thompson says worth zero. Brad Powers says worth a half. Fezzik says worth one and a half. I mean, the reality is, and I'll be candid: if somebody had to, if I had to take someone's Opinion on blind faith, it's probably Fez's. But why does it have to be on blind faith? There's not that many freaking games. Let's, and there's, I mean, how many freaking concepts are there when it comes to handicapping college basketball? Can there be more than 30? Like, if we would have taken every concept 
and, and, and put on a clean sheet of paper that you've brought up, Brad, on this pod, on any radio hit you've done, the pod with AJ, how many concepts? Like the concept of home court advantage. Oh, spring break, the kids are out. All the different crap. Oh, in a Christmas tournament, it's a 50, maybe? Oh, less than 50. All right. Faz, how many have, do you think you've brought up? College basketball, fundamental concepts of handicap. Minimal number. All right. Don't you think if it's a minimal number, let's get some freaking numbers behind yes. them? Yes. My bad. Well, okay. It's it's not you. It's everybody. It's this industry. It's it's. The, I don't know how it started though. It's the. I mean, there there was these people that put out magazines in like the nineties that somehow like pick selling. Picks are twenty five dollars. Who picked that freaking number? And it's like someone did like in nineteen ninety four, and everyone's just copied it since. And like, I don't, honestly, I don't see very many advanced. It's, it's like everyone's trying to be some imitation of some newsletter they read when they were 15 years old. It's like that shit didn't work back then. <laughs> There's a reason <laughs> I don't, I don't see those guys <laughs> batting a lot of money in Vegas. Those newsletter guys. Do you, Faz? No. So. I think this is the, uh, a, a, a clarion call might be what it's called that if we're, let's come in with one or two, I, I'd rather spend the whole freaking show talking about one concept that we actually felt good about than making up that, Oh, this travel is important. And I get it. You're right. It's a free roll in a way. Meaning if you would have given me this reason, this reason, and this reason and said, Oh no, by the way, I haven't been able to quantify this. But it's my sense this travel can't be a positive. So if it's worth zero, I'm still fine on this side. But if it's worth something to me, I'm even better. Now that's smart thinking. Some things aren't quantifiable. Get yourself in a situation where if you're wrong about the travel, at worst case, you're break even. And then any travel effect would be a free roll. But what else on the handicap do you have? That was my handicap. Well, that and of course uh, a total unquant something you have no way to quantify. Well, yes, and the and the fact that the venue clearly there's going to be more Gonzaga fans. I'm sorry, I can't quantify that either. I don't well, know if it's four thousand more fans or or thirty eight hundred more. I don't know. Well, what's the starting handicap? So, what's your power rating on this game? I got to write seven point two five. Okay, so seven point two five. So that means the fact that we're at seven and a half. Means you, the market and your numbers line up. Yep. So the theory is, okay, the value, there's no value either way, power ratings wise. Gonzaga has a slight, perhaps edge with home crowd. Yep. Gonzaga has a slight edge with Florida State or with Florida State's extensive travel. Scarface on repeat, constant y'all. So I could almost accept that. If you would have came in and said, but that's another thing that's bothering me about all this. It, it's just sloppy and we got to change it. So, or, you know, I, it's going to be changed. Let's say it that way. The starting point of any handicap needs to be the freaking power ratings. Because otherwise, the idiot that walks in and says, I'm betting against the Patriots. Tom Brady's out. What's different than that than saying, well, Florida State's going to be in, meaning even if we accept it's quantifiable, 
that, that it's worth a point and a half. Let's say you're absolutely right, Fez. How, what should the line be? Right? We're just assuming the line should be right. And that, that you uncovered some secret thing no one else understands the travel and that's your betting on that. Well, I, if you look at the openers, RJ, they're largely set by the bookmakers just by the power rating differential. They don't take into consideration these intangibles for the most part. Okay. Well, the line was nine and a half and now it's seven and a half. All right. So they did take into consideration in this case. If that's the opener that you want to use, nine and a half. Yes. Well, what opener do you want to use? But you got your screen in front of you. Tell me what opener you want to use. Sure. Brad, I mean, what? am I wrong about this? It's yeah. like. It's, yeah, I mean, if we don't have the data to back it up. I, well, and, yeah. and I also think we just got to start with the power ratings. Yep. Because you can't. It, what is a handicap? A handicap is in a vacuum. How good is this team? How good is the opponent? Yep. And then what are the situational elements? Mm. What are the injury elements? And are there any trends that are applicable? Matchups? You know, you can think about it. A handicap is is those factors. Yep. But the starting point has to be the intrinsic value of or how good the team is. I agree. With what? Your first start to any handicap should be take the difference between the power ratings, nothing else, and that's your baseline. Then you start making adjustments, like you said for injuries, situations, and matchups. So what openers did you want to use here? Pinnacles was seven. All right, so pin, Pinnacles, the, I've never heard of anyone using Pinnacle as the opener. Is that the new thing now you're doing just because it was a low number for you? It, it's what I have on my, my screen. As a, you use your screen as the Pinnacle opener? I thought you were just telling us last week how Pinnacle is not valid anymore. <sighs> Weren't you? I mean, it's not invalid, well, but, but I wouldn't. Saying, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that what Pinnacle opens at is nearly as significant as what they close at. Okay, so Bookmaker has bigger limits at the open. All right, let's let's start over on this handicap. Can, what your power rating say? Seven point two five. Yep. All right. Each game, I'm going to ask you that. So let's make sure we have yep. them. Fez's argument is the travel, which we aren't quantifying. And Gonzaga is going to have a home advantage. And thus you like, or your best bet. The Zags. The Zags. This was your best bet. Yes. Ken said, no, no, no. I like Florida State. Let him make his case again. I'm yeah. not sure if he did yet. We've been, I've been ran. No, you have, you gave me an opportunity at the beginning, but uh, you know, and I hope Gonzaga wins the game. I have a future on Gonzaga, but I just don't really like the way the Zags are playing. I mean, and they had an easy road. You get a fairly Dickinson team and, and then a Baylor team that's been missing players all year long. Florida State's not the toughest road either, and that's the thing. We look at these power teams and all this chalk that's made it to the Sweet 16, RJ, but a lot of them have had somewhat easy pass. Now, Florida State, they get more headlines because they took out John Morant and Murray State, and they took them out demonstratively. So, uh, you know, they've got length, though, and they psychologically, because they beat Gonzaga last year, if they can get ahead, they can have the Zags second-guessing themselves. I'm not saying that Florida State wins the game, although I think they have the best opportunity. And we talked about that as far as knocking out a one in this scenario here prior to the Elite Eight. So I'm going to go with Florida State because I think the points are nice. And uh, I think they have a, an outside shot of knocking off Gonzaga. All right. So, Brad, you've just got to lean. I got to lean on Florida State. But let me throw a little softball to Fez here uh, on why it's only a lean and not a like on Florida State for me. Last year, Gonzaga loses that Florida State game. So with Florida State, it's a unique team. A lot of six foot ten, six foot eleven guys. A lot of depth for Florida State. 
10 guys average 10 or more minutes per game. So you need to counter that with length and depth. Gonzaga, he's not a really important guy. His stats aren't going to say it, but he's a six foot ten guy. Got the unique size that Gonzaga doesn't have. Killian Tilly missed last year's game. He's missed most of this season, but he's recently returned. And having another key big guy down low for all to, to counter all these waves of Florida State players, I think is significant for Gonzaga. Now on the other side, I just it's tough for me to wrap around. Gonzaga hasn't played a top twenty five team since December fifteenth. And to me, what I've seen in the past is sometimes there's a shock to your system. Hey, yeah, Gonzaga played Duke early in the season. Yeah, Gonzaga played Tennessee and North Carolina. That was November and December. For three and a half months, you've been playing Pepperdine and Portland and Fairleigh Dickinson, and now you're going to play a legit top 15 team in Florida State. Meanwhile, Florida State's been playing Duke, Virginia, North Carolina. I think that's worth something, at least early on. Give me Florida State as a lean. And you said at least early on, why not bet? And obviously, first half's an option. Mm. Everyone's talking about this first to 15 or whatever it is. What do you, anything yeah. ever better? Yeah, I would say I am more on a like on Florida State first half. And, and you're right. The first to 15s have been quite profitable for a lot of these dogs, at least early on. All right. Any closing thoughts? All right. So let's start with the power rating. Next game. Michigan, Texas Tech. Now, the market number is one and a half. I am Michigan one in this one. Pure power rating for me. All right. So we're not going to quibble over half points. So the assumption is that these teams are even or, you know, point and a half. So the question is, are there factors not being considered? Dave Esler and Fezzik both like Texas Tech. Mm. So let's have Fez go first because we don't want Dave to steal any of Fez's stuff. So Fez, power ratings say these the numbers right. What are you saying? I think Texas Tech is undervalued here, RJ. They had an early age. But you're saying that Brad's power ratings are wrong. Well, Brad has the game one and I'm catching two. So I'm getting a little value there. Well, I mean, we've got the market at one and a half, but go ahead. And I think but that this is a like, right? So yeah, yes. And I, I think the Texas Tech's blowout win over Buffalo is tremendously impressive. Buffalo was a six seed. Frankly, I think Buffalo is mu a much better team than a six seed. And the fact that not only was Texas Tech able to win that game, but to blow out Buffalo, so much more impressive than what Michigan has done in this tournament, playing a Montana team and catching a 10 seed in Florida. Okay. So, Brad, how much did you upgrade Texas Tech off that Buffalo win? Because really, effectively, what what Fazek's saying is you you have your power ratings are incorrect, <laughs> and you uh, no, and you undervalue yeah. Texas Tech because you couldn't see as clearly as him that how big of a win that Buffalo win was. Yeah, a point at most, a le little bit less than a point. No, I mean, th but this is an objective question. How much did you upgrade? Less that? than a point. All right, so point nine. Like, what was the number? Don't you have last week? This week? Well, they played two games, RJ. So oh. I mean, that's the. Okay, but you do you do you do your ratings after each game? Or no, do I do. I don't do them after each game. I do. Them so how do you week. bet the second games with old ratings? Well, I I don't publish them. I mean, I can do them in my head. Hey, half point this, half point that. I you, don't. So you write it down. Privately. Yeah, I do. You don't. All right, because I mean, it just seems. In, I mean, really, we're fundamentally getting down to how to handicap these games, and the starting point is the power ratings. Someone's got to do them. All right, so Astros got tech. Let's listen in. Thursday in Anaheim, Texas Tech plus two over Michigan. I know, I know, but here's the thing. 
Tech hasn't lost to a team not named West Virginia since February 2nd. Michigan hasn't lost to a team not named Michigan State since mid-February. Problem is, they lost to Sparty three times in that span. Well, Sparty plays a very similar style and pace to who? Texas Tech. We have the number one and number two ranked defenses in the nation, so let's assume it comes down to offense and the little things. Tech spends a lot of time at the line. They're a great free-throw shooting team. Michigan spent the least amount of time at the line than anyone in the Big Ten. Michigan has one of the shortest benches in the nation. If Tech gets them in foul trouble, which they can do, big problem. In the Big Ten, Michigan had more shots blocked than anyone not named Purdue. And as Faye would have it, Tech is the number one shot blocking team in the Big 12. i got to look no further than Michigan's meltdown in the Big Ten title game so I know who to trust here. It's not Michigan. And what could be a last possession game, I want Texas Tech plus two points. Okay, so Fez on tack. Dave Astler, you just heard him on tack. Brad, you're leaning the other way. You were really anti-Michigan entering the tournament. What's been the big change? Uh, a player, a key player, Charles Matthews, who was out the last five, six games of the regular season, was just finding his legs a little bit in the tournament. At least in one of the, the Detroit Free Press, what I was reading, he's made all the difference in the world in these last couple of games of the NCAA tournament defensively. And he's going to be guarding the best player in this game, Texas Tech's Jared Culver. And my concern is both teams are excellent, the top two defenses in the country. And yet Texas Tech's really one-dimensional offensively. It's Jared Culver and everybody else. For me, if he has an off night or Charles Matthews, an elite defender, shuts him down a little bit, I mean, what's their other options? At least Michigan has four or five different options. They have much more balance. And to me, that's the difference. That's why I lean Michigan. Okay. Fez, Texas Tech. Esler, Texas Tech. Brad leans Michigan. Ken? I'm going to lean Texas Tech. I'm just impressed with their perimeter defense. And I think they have other options. Culver is the guy. But Moretti and Mooney, these guys can knock down threes and they don't miss free throws. Tariq Evans, pretty, uh, Tariq Owens, a pretty good solid player as well. So Culver, yes, he grabs all the attention. But their perimeter defense against Buffalo was absolutely outstanding. Because Buffalo came all the way back from a double-digit deficit to take a one-point lead, 25-24. And then what happened? Texas Tech reasserted themselves and put that game away. I hadn't seen Buffalo shut down like that all season long. Very impressive. But I am impressed with Michigan, you know, finding ways to win. And they kind of increased their lead against Florida and opened that game up. Early game, the first game against Montana was a, an easy draw. Uh, Montana team that was missing one of their better players that got hurt in February. So uh, I lean Texas Tech, just their perimeter defense, but I respect Beeline, a great coach. I also like Chris Beard, solid coach there for Texas Tech. At the end of the day, it's a game I'll stay away from and watch these two guys battle it out. Next game, Michigan State favored by six against LSU. Let's start with the power rating. I have this one at six and a half, Michigan State six and a half. All right, so power rating saying just about right. A.J. Hoffman off his Vegas trip out every night. <laughs> I mean, wasn't quite Scarface, but close. I mean, imagine <laughs> Sleepy, Mackie, Brad and Fezzik and A.J. Hoffman at a pizza joint. I mean, that yeah, just imagine. And you still can't really imagine fully. There he is. All right. I like LSU here. I like them plus six a little. I like them a lot more LSU plus three in the first half. I've said all along this LSU team is playing with house money. Everyone's been writing them off, expecting them to fall apart without Will Wade. And LSU keeps proving people wrong. And 
They're not going to be intimidated by the physicality of Michigan State. The Tigers already topped Kentucky. It doesn't get much more physical than that. I'm going to go with the first half here because the Tigers have faded down the stretch lately in games. They're running out of gas. It's a young team where Sparty's been a slow starter. Uh, Michigan State, clearly the better defensive team, but one category where LSU is better is they force turnovers. They can score in transition. The Tigers are 6-1 and one against the spread as a dog this year. I have a little on the six, but my bigger play is going to be on LSU first half plus three. Okay, almost like Brad Powers in the NFL. Steve Fezzik, what do you like in this game? <laughs> I like LSU plus three in the first half. And now, no communication with AJ. There actually was not. Okay, interesting. And my handicap was not so much the LSU youth fading, but I think that Will Wade's absence is being shown in the second half. The coaching adjustments at halftime are lacking. And frankly, the eye test says that LSU down the stretch, they panicked against Yale. They're like up 10. This game should be over. And they're turning the ball over, making bad decisions. And then they collapse against Maryland as well. I saw the the end game in both games. I want no part of LSU when this game gets late. Uh, seems to me there's some sound logic here, which is if coaching is an issue, and Brad, you've been pretty adamantly negative about Wade or the absence of Wade. Absence of Wade, yeah. Benford, the interim. Uh, quoting his North Texas <laughs> numbers again and again. But Fez makes a good point. Hey, half times where you make adjustments and the games is where coaching matters the most. Hey, if you don't like your coaching situation, unless there's a reason, look to the first half. A lot of logic there. AJ and Fezzik arrived at it independently, in theory. This is RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Hey guys, wow, just got done with the pod. One word contentious almost like a there could have been physicality perhaps or was that much contention a lot of drama we got bad dsi talking about drama when you risk money on a game we always say you want to find as many good outs as you can bet dsi 20 years paying winners good rating at the review sites fast payouts etc also though let's be honest they're going to look back in 2019 a lot of it's going to be about how live betting, in-game betting has grown. Well, that's something BetDSI offers. And if you haven't used it before, it's literally throughout the game, you can say, hey, th- this one team's up a little bit, but I think the other team's playing better. Well, you can actually bet within the game. And if you've done it before, you actually can have, you know, imagine you have two devices, you're watching the lines move. That's how you get value. Speaking of value, promo code here. So if you're going to go to BetDSI, use it. You get this special, and it helps the podcast, RJ Madness. All one word, RJ Madness, M-A-D-N-E-S-S. What do you get? Double your money to start. You put it in, whatever amount, they match it. 100% bonus. Go to BetDSI.com, use promo code RJ Madness, and get this limited time 100% bonus offer. That bonus gives you extra cash during the madness of March. And let's be honest, guys, this is the time having that in-game betting, having that extra out really counts because this is the time you're making the most bets, I think it's fair to say. One more thing here. 
A lot of response for Vivid Seats. Now, listen, sometimes in society, there's a paradigm shift. That means it's just a fundamental change, right? The idea of an Airbnb 20 years ago seems crazy. I'll be honest, it still seems crazy to me. Now, today, a lot of people, hey, you want to share my bedroom or whatever? I don't even understand it. It's a paradigm shift. Well, Uber, Lyft, another example of that. I mean, 10 years ago, it's taxi. Sometimes my Uber is 10 minutes away and there's a taxi in front of me. I don't even think to go for the taxi. That's a paradigm shift. But when it comes to buying tickets to events, the idea that you're going to buy from the box office, it feels outdated. It feels like we've been shifted away from that. And I think especially in March Madness, when you don't know the matchups. Imagine if Team A wins Team C wins, you're like, oh, man, that's the game I want. But if the other two teams win, it might be a game you wouldn't go to if they gave you tickets for free. Well, if you have to buy tickets beforehand, it's a risk. It's an unnecessary risk with Vivid Seats sponsoring the show. They're one of those companies and, and, the, and a surging company, I think it's fair to say. I actually got an email on this. It says, RJ, I'm actually taking my son and three friends to their very first Dodger game for opening day. I couldn't be more excited. It's one of those proud fatherly moments. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I decided to download and use the Vivid Seats app after listening to the episode last week. I saved over 50 bucks, which is going to cover parking and some food for the kids. So I wanted to thank you for that. Then he goes on and asks me for a free pick on something, and I'll just ignore that. But it came from Dave. So to me, it... (laughs) This is it. This is why if you're going to these events, Vivid Seats is a great option. So you go to the App Store or Google Play, download Vivid Seats app, and then with this promo code, and it is simple, RJB, think RJ Bell, RJB, and you get 10% off your order when you use that RJB promo code at checkout. This offer does apply to first-time new customers, but like Dave, you can... Use that money to save at the game or to make a bet. Use promo code RJB, save 10% on your tickets, and keep your emails coming in, guys. But if you make any free pick requests, you get enough of those from the podcast. Now back to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Brad, thoughts on the whole thing? I agree with that to a certain extent, but also on the other side, and we kind of mentioned this, you specifically, RJ, on Straight Out of Vegas, if there's one game, if you're looking at the first and second round, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, what's the round where coaching is going to matter the most when you have that three, four days of preparation, the X's and O's, and that's where a lot of elite coaches separate themselves. You see, guys, Rick Patino was unbeatable in the Sweet 16 round. Even Calipari gets all the recru- credit for recruiting. He's got a really significant number when it comes to the Sweet 16 round against the spread and straight up. And I think that's going to show itself here with Izzo. You know, LSU, you mentioned it. Yeah, I guess that they've won a couple of games. So so just to be clear, the theory is because there's more time to prepare yeah. that the first game of the weekend, coaching matters more. Yes. In this particular game, I'm going to lean on Michigan State. And here's why. LSU, yes, I guess they've kind of exceeded my expectations getting into the Sweet 16 round. I thought there was a chance they could get upset. But reality was, Yale, their opponent in the first round, Yale was awful. A good three-point shooting team, Yale started the game. Yale was awful in that game. Awful in that game. Four out of 30 shooting the three. And Yale's a good three-point shooting team. And yet, 
LSU didn't cover that game. Had yep. to sweat it out. Yeah, one for 21 and one stretch making threes. Exactly. And yet LSU had to, to struggle to win that one. Maryland, I mean, let's be honest. Maryland's an average Big Ten team. And Mark Turgeon is thought of average at best as far as a coach. So if there was one coach that wouldn't have shown a difference between Tony Benford and a Mark Turgeon, that would have been the case. And yet LSU had a double-digit lead and nearly blew that one. Not going to be the case here. I mean, LSU, I guess to me, the remaining teams, LSU is the most overrated. 12 and 3 in close games. I think they're overrated. This one won't be close. Take Sparty. That's a lean, though. A lean. I thought the number was going to come a little cheaper. I really did, RJ. No, I am. I hate it. Just getting it down. So, like at five, you'd like Michigan. Oh, yeah. We're, we're taking off the rubber band at five. Ken. I lean Michigan State, and the coaching is big as far as, you know, the preparation. Brad makes a great point there. I will give Benford credit, though. Because the LSU win against Maryland, and how many times have we seen it? During the regular season, during even this tournament, we saw Rick Barnes settle for a three-pointer against Iowa in a tie game. Why do that when you have the ball? Why not put the pressure on the referees, go to the rack? You only need one point. So if you get fouled, you make one or two, you're going to win that game. What did LSU do against Maryland tie game? They had Waters drive to the rack. He gets the layup. That wins the game. And I was just impressed there. They didn't settle for the three-pointer. I'm so tired of seeing that. Like, that's the number one option in a tie game in your Tennessee against Iowa. Made no sense to me. I think LSU first half could be a smart play. But again, this team without Will Wade there, I think there may be that, I don't know, maybe mindset to where these guys get away with taking a shot that if Will Wade's there on the bench that they might not take. They might think twice about it again. There are the players. They've already exceeded expectations. They've made the Sweet 16 despite the black cloud around Baton Rouge with the Will Wade situation. I think these kids may do some stuff in the second half that might be uncharacteristic. Izzo's team is the wrong team to do that against. They will knock down their free throws. They've got a dynamite point guard, Cassius Winston, that knows how to to lead the way. And a guy that goes unsung, really, is Matt McQuaid. This guy is one of the sharpest players and does not take stupid shots. He's the most disciplined player I've seen in college basketball. When he shoots that three and you see him pass up on some, he knocks it down. Michigan State, just a lean. All right, guys, next. And let's lay out the rest of the pod. We've got a cross-continental crossfire. <laughs> Dave Essler, A.J. Hoffman. That's in the Duke game. Also, Brad's got some very interesting takes on Duke being downgraded in this tournament so far. Then we've got Brad that has a double like, or I guess a parlay on the same game. He likes a team and the total in the Kentucky-Houston. And then finally, Brad's best bet. So three games left. Every one of them got a selling point. No, by the way, speaking of selling, our one and only commercial break. Yahoo Daily Fantasy. A couple people will tell me I mispronounce that, but I don't give a care. See, sometimes it's fun to do wrong and just look and say, I don't give a care. Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Making a big push. NBA, baseball, golf in full swing. And obviously, if you're going to get ready for football, which isn't that far away, amazingly, figure out which one of these sites you're going to use. Now, obviously, there's some big boys we've heard of. But when you've got a billion-dollar company like Yahoo trying to catch up, means you're going to offer you a ton of value. So one of the things they do is there's a focus on the newbie, on the on the non-expert. How do they focus on them? One, they 
try to make the onboarding process, which is kind of a technical term, but getting involved easier. And they protect them from the sharks. Imagine a guy like Fezzik playing fantasy sports, hunting around for you. Well, those like there's Fezziks like that in, in fantasy, many of them. And Yahoo has ways to protect you from them. They've also got a no management fee contest. That sounds good. And also a quick match feature. So look into it, but it's great for beginners to find opponents at your level. Because no matter how naturally talented you are, it's something you got to grow into. Sign up today, yahoo.com slash daily fantasy, or download the Yahoo Fantasy app. And here's the promo code, POD25. So P-O-D-25. Get $25 in free play when you make your first deposit using that promo code POD25. There's no waiting on the bonus. You can use it immediately to enter contests. And the min deposit's only five bucks. So think about it. Let's do the math here. $5 in. They give you 25. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Let me do it. Yeah. So think about that. Download it. Use pod 25. Put in five bucks. They give you another 25. You got 30 bucks for five bucks. I don't need to say any more about that. Use pod 25 Yahoo Fantasy. Listen, a lot of people look at gamblers as bad people. That's absurd. In my experience, a vast majority, a vast majority of sports bettors provide a good life for their family. And they understand every dollar they earn matters. And if they're, you know, ideally sports betting offers a chance to make a little extra money, though it's not easy. But so does day trading. If you can know how to do it right, advertiser is simpletodaytrade.com. This site uses, and this is, their phrase, they're standing behind a unique and proprietary software and they provide a one-on-one training program, which teaches you how to navigate the futures, commodities, the various markets and to successfully make trades. And the best part is you do this by using their funds. It's the perfect solution for extra money, maybe even as they say, a new career. So it's simpletodaytrade.com. It's certainly intriguing to check out. That's simpletodaytrade.com and enjoy a special offer. First month, only $10. That's simpletodaytrade.com and the special offer. First month, only $10. And in case you missed it, simpletodaytrade.com. Check it out. And finally, old loyal friend, true car, 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. The amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do sit-ups, or just listen to this commercial. Less than that now. You can get True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or your home. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how the car's details populate. Answer a few questions and get an accurate true cash offer from a local true car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you bring your car in. They'll check it out with you together. You can ask a question, get the answers you need. There won't be any surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out true car today. 
Hi, Brad. The national shows, Colin. They don't. They don't dig into. You know, I wish only if they would talk more about travel and you know going all the way to the East Coast and all that stuff. It'd be so fascinating. Scarface on repeat, constant, y'all. But they tend to talk about things like Duke. Yep. You've got a few things about Duke <laughs> that are pretty fascinating. Yeah, I mean, coming in the tournament, I thought Duke was overrated. I, in fact, I thought Gonzaga was just as good as Duke. And my power rings said, said the same thing. I thought so much against anti-Duke that, you know, you caught me on straight out of Vegas. You're like, hey, that's a hot take. Gonzaga's as good as Duke. But you got to put your money where your mouth is. I thought I did so. I bet $5,200 that no, no Duke will not win the national title this year. Welcome to Mirage, Mr. Papa Giorgio. It was gutsy. Let's give him some credit. Now, in the time since, Duke's 2-0. Perfection. Yeah. Can't do better than winning. We can talk about covering. <laughs> can't. Hey, we won the game. Yep. Win in advance. But what's happened to Duke's odds? So Duke, prior to the tournament, to win the national title, plus 250. Win two games. Win two games. Now you only have to win, instead of six, win four games. Duke's now three to one to win the national title plus three hundred. So they've gotten worse. Yeah. Wow. Now, um, you had a comparable game against Virginia Tech that really quantifies how much Duke's been downgraded. So exactly one month ago, Duke was at Virginia Tech. Duke in that game was a three-point road favorite. Typically, home court in college basketball worth about four points. Three plus four. Oh, that means on a neutral, Duke would have been a seven-point favorite over Virginia Tech. And right now, Duke's right around a seven-point favorite over Virginia Tech, except the fact that Duke in that first game was playing without Zion Williamson, who we all think is worth more than six points, nearly seven points to the line. To me, right now, Duke has been too much downgraded in the marketplace. Good stuff from Brad there. We got this crossfire coming up, then we'll get the Roundtable's opinions. Duke's number we're using here, seven and a half over Virginia Tech. First, A.J. Hoffman. All right, Virginia Tech plus seven and a half. I like this down to six and a half. I like the Hokies here. If Virginia Tech didn't already know how to beat Duke, well, they do. But UCF would have laid out a nice blueprint for it, forced them to shoot threes. That's obviously the game plan. Virginia Tech, they go under screens. Duke doesn't want to shoot. UCF essentially dared them to shoot threes all game. And the Devils actually hit more than they normally do. They shot 10 of 25, and they still almost lost outright. They're just a bad three-point shooting team. The Hokies' defense is built for it. They force opponents to shoot threes on over 50% of their shots. And people will tell you that the Virginia Tech win back in February is a, an unusable data point because Duke didn't have Zion. And, and maybe that is the case. But the Hokies didn't have Justin Robinson, and they look like the team that went 19-3 and with him in the lineup this season right now. They look like they're a, a different animal. Uh, the Devils are also without Marquez Bolden, who was the third-leading scorer in the first matchup and also clogged up the paint on defense. Buzz Williams won't be intimidated here, and with a win under their belt against Duke, neither will the Hokies. Give me Tech down to 6.5. Boy, this idea about Tech forcing threes is a good segue, Brad, to the stat you broke out. We had our live show. Great success. Thank you, everyone. Hard Rock Cafe, Friday, uh, Thursday night. A lot of appreciative fans there. Ken delivered. Fez was a star. Brad delivered. Great show. Steve Cofield was there. Sleepy. Mackie. Helping. Great effort. But you had a number on Duke that just blew my mind. 
So since the three-point shot was implemented into college basketball, 1987 was the year. So 30-plus years of data. No team has shot as poorly as Duke has. Duke's only hitting about 30% of their three-point shots for the season. No team has ever made the final four hitting that low of a percentage. Forget the national title. No team's even made the Friday, final four. And I know oh. I'm going to get some blowback here. Hold on. At least from AJ. <laughs> Duke minus seven over the Hokies. We all saw the Central Florida you know, Asler, when he wants to talk, look out. <laughs> All right, so so we'll get to David in a minute. But what you're fundamentally saying is if Duke even wins the next two games, they will be the worst shooting three-point team ever to make the Final Four. Yep. In an era where three-point shooting is much more important than it was, you know, every year in the last five, it's gotten, you know, Golden, post-Golden State, it's gotten more important. I mean, what is it? Three, four, five times more important than it was 20 years ago? Yeah, 39% of all shots are three-point shots. Now, that's a record since they've been keeping track. And it's going to keep going up? Yep, it is. So that seems like a mm. fundamental... And what, can you explain a little bit if you understand, AJ, saying how Virginia Tech uh, goads teams into shooting threes? You know what? I can't, really, on, it, on that. And, and they've been a little you bit... You got that one fast? Yeah, so what happens is uh, you, you go ahead and put a pick out there and you're running through a screen. You got a choice. You can go out, outside, or you can, you can pack it inside. So Virginia Tech consistently stays, when, when, a, when a player is screened, he stays inside, protects the paint. So obviously with the screen, you've got a guy that can shoot the three then. And so, the, and it translates into the numbers. And if you don't shoot the three, then you're not exploiting. It's one of those, you got to be weak somewhere. They're allowing themselves to be weak against the three. And I do have some stats on this. Virginia cool. Tech is second in the country in percentage of three-point field goals attempted. So let's think about this fundamentally. I, but you mumbled the last words. Second in the country in what? In, in percentage of three-point field goals attempted against them. So their opponents so you recognize. You didn't even say against them the first time. So so their defense gives basically says you can take threes, but you can't have the, the good two-point shots. So their opponents have been forced to shoot more than half of the time from three. That's the second most in the country. So think about this. What's Duke's big weakness? They can't make threes. What's Vatek's defensive alignment? Their typical alignment without making any adjustments, make your opponents shoot threes. So this sounds like your best bet of the year. What's it, your, what's it, your it's a lean to Virginia Tech. <laughs> and here's why I think I'm being shorted on the number, RJ. All right. Well, let's start with the power ratings. I have Duke eight and a half here. So about a one point difference between the spread and my power ratings. And that's why I got to go. I got to trust my powerings. Why? It's not like I've had a Duke bias coming into the tournament. I was lower on Duke than the rest of the market. I've downgraded Duke about a point after those first two games. But it seems like the market's downgraded Duke several points since the start of the tournament. To me, that recency bias and overreaction leads to some value here on Duke, although I fully respect the matchup uh, that, that AJ and Fez have brought up as far as the threes go. But if in actuality, this is the way it typically will go. Power rating says lean towards Duke. Handicapping factor says, ah, not so fast, point, point and a half, whatever you want to call the three-point matchup. Oh, look, it's right at the number. But if you don't have your starting point, you don't know what's mm. being considered, right? So that we've talked about that in the things being directionally right, but we've got caught in times we were laying, like, you know, laying two or something when we thought the line would have been plus two, but we were directionally like, that's the team, that's the team. We we fell into that trap in the NFL a few times this year. 
All right, so we're going to let Esler have his say, and then we got Ken Thompson batting cleanup on this game. Friday, and I know I'm going to get some blowback here, at least from AJ, Duke minus seven over the Hokies. We all saw the Central Florida game. Well, for me, there's not reverse recency bias here. Every team that wins the whole thing has at least one, quote-unquote, almost loss. Last year, Villanova almost lost to West Virginia. Here's the thing. Tech beat Duke in Blacksburg when Duke was without Zion. I know Robinson was also out, but in that game, Tech shot 62% from inside. And with Williamson back, that just will not happen. Which also won't happen is Tech going to the free throw line 10 times more than Duke, which they did in that last game. And Duke in that last game, 62% inside again without Zion. Tech's had the pleasure of playing Liberty and St. Louis, scored a total of 133 points in those two games. We know Duke's not going to bomb away from outside anymore. That's a huge advantage. Duke's got the length. Duke's got the number one interior offense in the ACC. Tech's interior defense, 11th in the ACC. Neutral site. Duke's going to control the pace. Duke's going to win the game. Tech plays slow. Duke does not in Blacksburg. Tech controlled the pace in Washington. They won't. And with Tech's very thin bench, if they aren't white hot from the outside or get in foul trouble, this could get ugly. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Give me Duke minus seven. So is there a correlation here? If you like Virginia Tech, you go under. If you like Duke, you go over. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, strong correlation because if Virginia Tech covers... Let's think about the spread seven and a half. How many are they going to be behind by? Probably one to six points. Not a foul fest. If Duke's going to cover, they're probably going to be up eight to 12 points as well. So you're likely to see a whole lot of points in the final two minutes. I don't think we've ever ever had this before. So we have AJ and Fez on one side. We have Brad and Esler on the other, Duke. And we got our fifth guy to break the tie, Ken Thompson. Yeah, and I don't know if Brad and Nestler want me on their side, but I'm going to lean Duke. And the, the reason is, uh, again, the, the scheduling worked out for Virginia Tech, and I know Justin Robinson's a big part of that team. He had 13 points off the bench, and it makes sense that they want to play inside the paint, especially against a Liberty team that has a Scotty James, a guy that shoots 68% from the floor, and they were all over him. He struggled mightily. Liberty hit 10 of 31 threes, but that's not really where their strength is. They needed James to get involved if they were going to win that game. So I give a lot of credit there to Vatek. And look, Buzz Williams, there's a lot of buzz right now around Blacksburg that Buzz Williams may be the new guy at Texas A&M College Station. Those rumors are hot and heavy. So there's that distraction there, maybe a little bit. I just think Duke with Zion Williamson inside, they are going to control the glass. They're going to be intimidating. And somehow, some way, we know Duke gets the calls. When in doubt, Duke gets the calls. It's just what it is. And they nearly, CBS nearly had a sweet 16 without Zion Williamson. Can you imagine the ratings plummeting big time? But they got through. Now, would would that cause anyone here to be less likely to bet Virginia Tech on the money line? Let's say you like Tech Mm -hmm. and you're like, hey, I'm going to put. Yes. So you believe that, but in a way with the line this high, they're going to start making, they're not making those calls in the first quarter in Duke's favor, right? Just in, is this one of those cases if it's a tight game, they're going to get the calls or are they getting the calls the whole game? I would think if it's a tight game, they're going to get the calls. And I got to tell you, RJ, I was shocked with two minutes to play Central Florida got a call against Duke and I couldn't believe it because it was one of those too close to call calls that went Central Florida's way. Well, in the final seconds, that didn't happen. 
All right, so Ken, your pick is? I, I would lean Duke because uh, here's the other thing. Taco Fall, seven foot six. People can say what they want about the big guy, main man, and they may, may not be the most athletic guy. But one stat they don't keep, they don't keep a, a stat as far as altered shots. He blocks a bunch of shots, but he alters a ton of shots as well. Now Zion and these guys inside the paint against Virginia Tech without somebody 7'6", they're going to go hard at the basket as opposed to having to go around the seven foot six taco fall. Two games left. By the way, last game, it is a best bet crossfire. In one corner, Brad Powers. In the other... You know, you know him. Scarface on repeat. Constant, y'all. Mr. Travel, Steve Fezzik. I wonder if Travel is going to be a part of his handicap. Mm, I can't wait. Houston, Kentucky. Kentucky is two and a half. Brad, this is where you like both the side and the total. I do. I like Kentucky. So let's start it off with the side here. I get it. P.J. Washington for Kentucky. He's worth about two points. This line right now says P.J. Washington's more doubtful than anything. My- All right, so let's start with the power ratings. Power rating, what would the line be if Washington played? Four and a half. Okay, that's what your power ratings say. Yep, four and a half. Without- and, how, and how much, how many points is he worth? And he's worth two points. All right, so really, you got to like Kentucky on a free roll unless you think the chance of him playing is zero. I do like Kentucky on a free roll here. and Because least- the theory is if he doesn't play, the line's right. Yep. So you're laying the VIG, so it's not a classic free roll. But if he plays, you've got a great bet. Exactly. And from what I was reading today, cast came off today. We won't fully know until tomorrow. So, again, I agree with the free roll. Here's what. Not a free roll. Let's look at the schedule disparities between these two teams. Kentucky has played 15 teams in the top 25 this year. 15 games. Houston has played one game against a top 25 opponent. I mentioned it earlier. Sometimes there might be a culture shock. I think you might get it here with uh, Houston, not used to playing a team with the length, the size, the athleticism of Kentucky. John Calipari might get a bad rap. He's only got one title at Kentucky, but he's still a very good NCAA tournament coach. His best round, the Sweet 16, 11 and three straight up, 11 and three against the spread in this round. Obviously, he can dial it up when he's got three, four days as far as uh, X's and O's. And, and for me... And let's be clear, listeners, critical might say, well, doesn't he have three or four days in the first round? Mm. And I would say, okay, this is with extra rest and playing a competitive team. Exactly. What he doesn't have in the first round is always motivation, RJ. A little difference when you're laying two and a half compared to 25 as far as covering the number. I'm also going to like the under, though. And I'll make the case for Houston, limited to Ohio State to 59 points in that last game. Ohio State hit 10 three-pointers in that game, had a really good performance from beyond the arc, and yet Houston limited to the Buckeyes to 59 points. Both teams well below average when it comes to tempo. I think somewhat in this price as far as the total is, hey, I've seen Kentucky in the past. They like to run and gun it up and down the floor. Not the case. Both teams top 15 when it comes to defensive efficiency. I like Kentucky. I like the under. Now, is this a correlation? Meaning if Kentucky wins, it's more likely to go under? I don't see strong correlation. It's kind of a, a little bit of an individual handicap, handicapping both so sides. So, Fez, do you, are you comfortable betting? Now, obviously, the, if they were inversely correlated, you wouldn't want to bet them, right? And the, yes, and the end game is inversely correlated because let's think about this. If, if I told you, RJ, Kentucky covered, All right. how many points do you think Kentucky's going to win by? Well, if they're favored by two and a half, it's going to be in the range of two and a half. That is in the bell curve will be the top of it. So three to 13. Yeah. So if Kentucky wins by eight, 
You want the under? Because of the foul shooting. Yeah, the last three minutes will be deathly. So almost, Brad, you've got to pick one here. Like which one you like better and leave it alone. Give me Kentucky. All right. Good stuff. You know, people often, often say, why do you keep them around? And I don't always, sometimes it's just nod and smile. Okay, so Brad, he does like the under, but he really likes Kentucky. Ken Thompson. I just want to watch the game. I'm hoping Houston can uh, can play well. I love Corey Davis Jr., one of my favorite players in the country. I think if you know he and Brooks can both shoot well on the same night, which hasn't happened in the last several games, and they have played a pretty good defensive team several times in Cincinnati. I know they haven't played a lot of top 25 teams, but Cincinnati's a pretty tough team to go up against. And uh, they took two out of three from the Bearcats. Kentucky without Washington, just not the same team, but still good enough. I agree with Brad, though. I'd, I'd lean Kentucky just because I think them get, they're going to get second shot opportunities. And and uh, they travel well. I mean, it doesn't matter. This game's in Kansas City, Missouri. Big Blue Nation, man. They're everywhere. Houston, not far. You know, they're actually closer geographically to Kansas City than uh, in Kentucky is. But Big Blue Nation will be there. It's a game I just want to watch, RJ. All right, Fez, you got to lean. Yeah, I lean to Houston, and far be it for me to question Brad Powers and how much a player is worth. But I think P.J. Washington is worth more than two points. Let me make my case. He's their number one scorer. He's their number one rebounder. He's their number two guy in block shots. And But what really impresses me, I went ahead and took a look at his scoring numbers. He's a forward, RJ. He's the third on the team with 31 threes. And P.J. Washington shoots 42% from the field from three-point land. The team's shooting 36%. When I see a really high three-point percentage shooter that's taking quite a few threes and has a high field goal percentage, that's a player that opens it up and makes everybody else better. So my handicap is that P.J. Washington is not going to play, or if he plays, he'll be compromised and that he's worth more than two points. Well, first off, Obviously, this is not a binary. It's not will he play, won't he play. It's will he play, won't he play. And if he does play, the will part is the spectrum of health. Brad, how did you arrive at your number? Disparity in my power rings. And, and also... Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're trying to get into my pet peeves, perhaps. You just answered the question with no answer. Okay. It's like, why do you have this team rated higher? Because I think they're better. You're you're repeating yourself. Your power ratings were adjusted by two points. That's not why he's worth two points. That's a sign you think he's worth two okay. points. Okay. Uh, I my market as far as the power rings last when PJ Washington was playing, my power rings were pretty much in line with the marketplace on a game in and game out basis with Kentucky. When he went out, I saw immediately there was about a two point difference between what the line was and what my power rating was on Kentucky. Okay, so in this case, you're saying, and there's nothing wrong with this. You're saying, I don't believe I can assess his value better than the market. So I'm going to let the, I, this is a factor that I'm not going to be able to get an edge on. Thus, I'll let the market dictate to me and hope other factors add up to something I like. Exactly. And, and keep nothing wrong with that. And a player's worth is also how good are his, his replacements? And in Kentucky's case, I mean, he's getting replaced by a couple of four star players in EJ Montgomery and Richard. So 
On mo, I agree with you, Fez. On most teams, PJ Washington's worth three or more points. On this Kentucky team, not as much. And I've seen a step up from Reed Travis, a fifth-year senior that Kentucky can lean on this time of year that they normally don't have because Kentucky's usually freshman and sophomore dominated. Well, let's give Fez credit. He did have some numbers. Yeah, he seems to have a ton of numbers on the radio, and no numbers on the pod. Not as many on the pod. It's curious. But I like that debate. More numbers pod, less numbers live. <laughs> well, the theory is in, in a leisurely podcast, you can explain them. Yes, and people aren't like driving, like making illegal left-hand turns while you're it's listening that time. seven numbers. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. Right. But that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> no. It's ominous. In this corner. He's got a gigantic map of the United States folded. Like one of those. <laughs> what was that? Three three M? What was that? You like everyone's dad was a member? And they would give you triple A, triple A, yeah, yeah, trip tick. He has his big trip way map out. <laughs> trip tick was nice. <laughs> I lighted the yeah. highway. Yeah. <laughs> the airflow might make yeah. this a little shorter. Yeah. We got Auburn. We got North Carolina. We got Fezzik and his maps in one corner. We got Brad with his best bet on this game. You start. I'm going to take North Carolina minus the five here, and to me. It's Auburn's being overrated right now in the marketplace. Here's an Auburn team that's won 10 straight games, playing their best ball of the season so far. But let's look at what Auburn's done in these 10 games. Most recently, the last five or six games. First off, Auburn got a dream draw in the SEC tournament. They were favored. Auburn was favored despite being the five seed in their first three games. And in the championship game, got Tennessee after the Volunteers played a nip-tuck game against Kentucky to the wire the day before. Then, in this stretch, the last four games, Auburn basically won a couple coin flips. Should have lost to Florida. There was a big non-call at the end of the game. And against New Mexico State, I mean, if New Mexico State doesn't have a couple free throws rimming in and out with one second left, Auburn's not even here. They get upset in the first round. To me, Auburn relies heavily on the three-point shot. In fact, number eight in the country, nearly 50% of all Auburn shots are from three-point range. And Auburn's been red hot in this stretch. Seven straight games, making 12 or more threes each and every game. Old adage, you live by the three, you die by the three. North Carolina is well above average in defending the three. And oh yeah, the biggest advantage here, how about rebounding? North Carolina top 20 in the country, offensive rebounding. Auburn bottom 20 in defensive rebounding. Auburn got beat up on the boards against Kansas and New Mexico State. Oh, it's okay. We won the game. We're not going to be hurt. If they get dominated on the boards here, they'll get dominated on the scoreboard. Give me North Carolina minus five. So you're playing power rating, say? Uh, five. Okay. So you think it's all the, about the, the values there? You like the matchup, yep. North Carolina. All right, Fez, you're on Auburn. All right, I'm confused. First off, I don't think we should be downgrading Auburn for rolling through the SEC a really strong conference and winning it. Yeah, they play Tennessee. They play like South Carolina, Georgia. So, so hold on. But this isn't about downgrading. Yeah. It's about saying that the reaction was too much. You do this all mm. the time. So a team won a game. 
But because the wind was blowing or something with your maps or whatever, it really wasn't a win. And I always say, well, how much was that worth? And you say a half a point. I go, okay, so instead of winning by 24, they 23 should, and a half. Yeah. So I get the idea of Brad saying, hey, how, I mean, what would this line be if North Carolina and Auburn had played in the first uh, uh, two weeks ago? What would the line be? Oh, seven, seven and a half. So th- I think your theory is Auburn's been upgraded significantly and more than they should be. Yep. All right. I got three reasons I like Auburn. One is, and I can't quantify it, RJ, Auburn can't play a slow-paced game. They, they're they horrible whenever they, they're slowed down. But North Carolina loves to go up and down the court. They're not going to slow this game down. The total's 164. It's going to be a track meet. That is Auburn's game. Second reason I like so when it. When you say you can't quantify, this would be as simple as going to a database and saying, show me 2018-19 games in which the total score was less than whatever you want to consider slow pace, and you could see it. Yes, I could do that. But so I could have quantified. Yes, but I I have not quantified it. But it's 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 basic strategy on Auburn. When 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 people are discussing them, this is a team that loves to get out and run. First of all, basic strategy isn't something that's year to yeah. year. This so this saying team you overheard someone say this. this team loves to run. Whenever I watch Auburn, so all do the you announcers. Agree with that, Brad? I don't, but I'm not going to blame Fed. Well, I'll blame him, but I've heard a lot of people say, hey, Auburn likes to run and gun. I think it's more Auburn likes to take a bunch of threes. In tempo, in the country, Auburn's number 158. 350 teams, 158. Okay, a little bit above average when it comes to tempo. That's Auburn's game. You but, think the, that's but, what, but the question is, do they play better or worse when the tempo is faster or I, I'll tell you who does play better when there's tempo. North Carolina. That's North Carolina's game. They're top 10 in the country in tempo. Continue fast. Second factor, and I used this in the first round, if you recall. I think there's a hidden crowd edge here in Kansas City, a big hidden crowd edge for Auburn. So you got you got a situation. This is the first game, Auburn, North Carolina. The second game, Houston, Kentucky. As Ken mentioned, Big Blue will present its represent itself well. There'll be plenty of Houston fans as well. If you're a Houston fan or a Kentucky fan, I ask all three of you, who are you gonna root for? Auburn or North Carolina in this game? You're going to root for Auburn. Because you don't want to play North Carolina because North Carolina is more likely to knock your team out. So because of that, I think we're going to get solid extra value. The crowd should turn on North Carolina and be rooting for the underdog Auburn. And I think there's something else that Brad will probably agree with. And this is just because I'm friends with a Kansas guy for so long. I mean, Roy Williams is still despised and can't. I mean, the fact that Mm. he left... They're, you think they forgot about that by now? They haven't. It's a good point. So I got very a, good point. Yeah, I got a sense there's probably some resentment lingering too against North Carolina. Yeah, and the one more factor, I do think that North Carolina is slightly, very slightly overvalued just because they got to play two of their three games against Duke without Zion, and they won both of them. Yeah, I think you could make. I mean, because I was thinking about it, you can make the case that you. You know, as the mists of time weeks ago and it becomes a month, it's like, oh, yeah, they were competitive against Duke. You don't remember, unless you're Fezzik and you lost the bet, you don't remember every little situation that led to the the winner or the loss. Maybe. Yeah. But you're, yeah, but your power rating saying it's about right. It's you're about right. It's situational. Yep. Yep. All right. Ken, you're going to be the tiebreak. Yeah. Then they remember too, the time they played him was Zion. They only lose by a point. Had had many chances to win that game. So they were right there when Zion was in the lineup and they could have, gotten the sweep but here's the reason i'm staying away from the game is because auburn misses defensive assignments and it scares the crap out of me sometimes i have a future on this team i'm 
personal relationship with Bruce Pearl. I like, like the guy a lot. I like his coaching style. I like when he has a team down that a lot of time he steps on that team. It got him in trouble in the first game against New Mexico State because they got a 15-point lead and they couldn't close him out and nearly lost the game, probably should have lost the game down the stretch like Brad was alluding to. But this style will give Auburn a chance to beat North Carolina because they do shoot the three so well when they're in sync. And how do you get good three-point shots, good looks? When you're up and down the court and it's ragtag and you have guys getting open looks. Auburn's got collectively the best shooters when they're wide open. And uh, I mean, as far as the games that I've watched, because I don't have the actual criteria that RJ will ask me for. So I'm just saying in the games that I've watched and Auburn has open looks from three, they knock them down with regularity. So that style gives Auburn a chance on the glass. Like Brad was saying, I'm worried because if Auburn's not knocking down the threes, I see them in many, many possessions, one and done, and that can spell doom. So it's a game that I'll root for Auburn because I do have a future ticket on them at 40 to one. But other than that, I'm just going to watch because I respect Carolina and I respect that their pace is up and down. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But if Auburn can ask for a matchup as far as pace, I think they'd take this as opposed to going up against somebody like St. Louis or Texas Tech where they're going to be slowed down. Last question. Freddie Fanny Pack. He's famous. His name's Freddie. He's got a fanny pack. He's got a big belly. He walks down Fremont Street with a big stick <laughs> that has a deep fried Twinkie at the end. And every third step, he takes a bite. It's very robotic. These eight games, you tell him, hey, I'm going to give you a $100 free roll on one. <laughs> Who's he taking? Wow. I'll say Auburn. What the heck? I'll, I'll say what the the huh? I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's all recency bias. This Freddie doesn't probably remember that Auburn. Yeah, that's doesn't true. I mean, I'm going to make the case it's North Carolina. I agree with that. I mean, this feels like the short, the weirdly short line uh. to me. But what, what what else is in competition? What would be the other game that? Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I think public the ticket percentage will probably say that. Maybe yeah. Kentucky. Yeah, but maybe because they wouldn't really know about the injury. I think that's a good point. And Houston, boy, Kentucky, two and a half against Houston? Yeah, yeah. yeah it'd probably be Kentucky. So it always worries me on the North Carolina yeah. side. If it, it, So really, my guess is Freddie Haystack. In fact, you, that's what we can do to end the show is we can have Haystack do the handicap for Brad <laughs> on his pick, because Brad, you've got Kentucky, and my gut feeling is Haystack's gonna like it. Here he comes. Haystack, who you like? Kentucky laying five against Auburn. Oh, no. Well, he doesn't like Kentucky against Auburn. He likes North Carolina <laughs> minus five against Auburn. Even Haystack can figure that one out. <laughs> RJ, I'll take North Carolina. Are you kidding me? Tar Heels, they won a couple national titles recently. What's Auburn won? This ain't football. This is this is hoops here. What's Auburn? I mean, they haven't been in the Sweet 16 in, what, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? I got North Carolina only five. They beat Duke a couple times. Man, New Mexico State, that little old school out west almost beat Auburn. Give me Tar Heels. They roll. Are you kidding me? So you and Haystack. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Does that worry you at all? No, Haystack's been okay. <laughs> I think he's positive EV on this show since football season. <laughs> well, that's the danger, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So listen, no Elite Eight special, but this is a great opportunity 
to subscribe to the Straight Out of Vegas podcast. So what do we do? Six o'clock Eastern, three o'clock Pacific for one hour, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Fox National, 200 stations, iHeartRadio app, but also the podcast, Sirius XM2, but the podcast, just search RJ Bell. You can subscribe to the Dream Preview if you haven't yet, but Straight Out of Vegas will come up too. And especially on Friday, we are going to make a point to take an early look, really a full look at the Saturday games. So for to get the Saturday picks from the Wise Guy Roundtable, it's simply straight out of Vegas live or straight out of Vegas on the pod. Talk to you soon. Scarface on repeat. Constant, y'all. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.